Hey guys, just wanted to give you a quick introduction to this video. This interview is with Aaron Ross, who is the former VP of sales at Salesforce and the author of best-selling sales book, Predictable Revenue. And what you're gonna learn from this video is to how, how you can build a scalable sales team. So, you know, why lead generation should be separate from uh, closing teams, right? Also, you know, how, how you should set goals for a beginning sales team. Uh, should you be using marketing automation or not? Uh, things like that. There's a lot of different gold nuggets that you can take away from this. Uh, personally, my struggle right now or, uh, you know, my quote unquote problem right now that I'm trying to solve is to build a, a sales team for, for single grain. So I'm going to be asking a lot of questions that uh, really I find interesting and hopefully you guys find interesting as well. So go ahead and sit back and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we introduce or en and also interview successful <laughs> entrepreneurs on how to grow your business and how to grow personally as well. This week, we have Aaron Ross, who helped Salesforce grow to 100 million in revenue and also wrote the sales book, Predictable Revenue. Aaron, how are you doing today? Um, great. Doing well. It's a little early here. <laughs> yep. Thanks for doing this. Um, so yeah, let's let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, so what what is your background exactly? What's your experience in sales? Uh, well, I like to say that you know my sales. I mean, I look at sales as a life skill, <clears throat> and so I was good at selling when I was younger. Started off in a small business, and so on. But um, I think the story really begins when I started an internet company back. Uh, like it's been a while. I think I was late twenties. Raised venture capital. You know. Uh, we hired a team, et cetera. The company went out of business. So again, I had sort of those natural entrepreneurs' ability to sell, a sense of myself, an idea, and so on. But I didn't know how to build a sales organization. So, and which is, <laughs> for most companies, what actually brings money in. So sort of important. And I, I, I say I, uh, I didn't delegate sales. To, we hired a VP of sales. I abdicated it. And so when it wasn't going well, I had no idea what to do or how to fix it. And so now what I tell CEOs is like you, you don't have to be the one selling, but you need to know how it works and lead generation. So I left that company, went out of business, and ended up starting. I took the, any job, sales job I could at salesforce.com because I figured we're better to learn how to sell than doing sales at Salesforce. Right. This is back when they were still pretty small, about 150 people, 2002. And... Yeah, I, got, I actually took the, the job where you're answering the, the 800 line, handling inbound leads, because that was the only sales job they had. So I checked my ego at the door, and I just wanted to learn. And I did, and I, I did that sort of inbound lead qualification role for three months before I proposed creating a prospecting team. So if, if you're not, especially if you're an entrepreneur, but one, one thing that's really important to understand is that uh, the usual way that companies added, tried to uh, grow revenue, if you have a sales team, is they'd add more salespeople, right? Because so the thinking is, oh, a salesperson's quota is a million dollars. If we have, if we just hire ten more salespeople, they'll bring in ten times that, ten million dollars. Mm -hmm. And uh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. At least maybe used to 30, 50 years ago. But today, it's lead generation drives new revenue, new clients. Mm -hmm. Salespeople help fulfill that. And one thing that Salesforce dot com didn't have back you know 10 years ago was a way to create predictable lead generation at bigger companies so the last uh, so the background is you know it's like never in a million years thought I'd actually end up doing sales or being a sales author or sales consultant um, 
but that's just sort of where life has led me, and I really enjoy it. And I love helping people. You know, I look at it as teaching people, helping them avoid the mistakes I made as an early entrepreneur, and you know, starting a business, actually bringing money in, and creating predictable revenue, or as I call it too, is really peace of mind revenue. Got it. Okay. And how long did it take you to help get Salesforce to 100 million in revenue? Uh, well, I don't remember what they were at when I was there. I, the part I helped do is, um, I helped. So again, there's if you read the book Predictable Revenue, you see there's a section about seeds, nets, and spears. Good book. Yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a bestseller on Amazon. Mm-hmm. So I say that there's three types of leads. There's seeds, which are really word of mouth, which is how most companies get started because your relationships, your networks, and then as you start to want to grow, usually you get to a few hundred thousand, a million, maybe five million, maybe ten, that's getting bigger. You decide, all right, we want to grow faster. So we want to spend money on marketing, spend money on prospecting or sales in some way. Now, at Salesforce, it had grown, before I got there, pretty much all through word of mouth and, and great marketing. I mean, Mark Benioff is a genius in lots of ways. Um, uh, marketing is one of the places he's a genius. So, Seeds, Nets, and Spears, they had incredible word of mouth and incredible marketing, which was bringing mostly small, medium-sized businesses to, through just word of, I mean, this incredible flow of 10,000 leads a month coming in. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Salesforce was trying to target bigger companies, and all the word of mouth and marketing wasn't really affecting that very much. So the part I created was to create a prospecting sales team mm-hmm. Really, just prospected, no closing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could get in. I came up with a new kind of process, and new, it did involve cold calls, but we were able to basically generate as much pipeline or leads as we needed at these companies. For even Fortune 100, Fortune 1000, Fortune 10,000, mm-hmm. and so that part of what I that part of what I created helped bring in an extra hundred million dollars. What Salesforce was already doing, or so wow, almost wow. almost doubled their enterprise growth. Wow, that is absolutely amazing, and. So my understanding is when you're looking to spear someone, that is when you're, that's the sales team's job, right? That's the prospectors or you call them the sales development representatives, right? Yeah, like, pro- yeah, exactly. So the thing is, the reason it's important for especially executives, whether you're CEO or even board member or VP of marketing sales to understand seeds, nets, and spears is that they all have different funnels. Like, con- they have different conversion rates. They have different ways you generate them. You have different ways you handle them. And seeds word of mouth, the best way to grow them is through like a cu- usually a customer success program. Oh, well, the best way is to have a great product, but then mm-hmm. you have to do- how to document it and share it. With Nets, which is, you know, think marketing, like mass, mass marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they say inbound marketing is the hot term. Yep. You know, you basically create great content, people find you. And then Spears is the, you know, one, more the one-to-one. You have a human involved. They have a very targeted list. They're you know, making phone calls, sending emails, or going out to visit people in person. Mm-hmm. So again, they're all different, they're all complementary. And the, the, actually one of the big mistakes that companies make is treating all leads the same. Mm-hmm. So sort of putting them all into a bucket, then really it's, you have to understand each one, different, different purposes, different conversion rates, different processes, different values, and mm-hmm. uh, different ways you grow them. Okay. I'm, I'm a fan of Spears, right, or prospecting, because it can be a very predictable way mm-hmm. to great pipeline, great leads. Right. And you know, a lot of sales teams, uh, it, it doesn't seem they've evolved into, you know, separating the prospectors from the closers nowadays. So why is it that you've decided to separate them? 
Um, I think it's becoming more common. And I know that's probably the main one of the main ideas that I I push or mm-hmm. preach even is the idea of specialization. But um, I think what happened was like you know, hundred years ago, sales was basically people in a wagon who would go out take have a bunch of material you know stuff mm-hmm. go around and sell it. So they had to do their own prospecting and their own closing. Mm-hmm. But you know, really, in the last few years, and I especially saw at Salesforce is between the tools, the environment, just the way the world is, mm-hmm. you you can't like salespeople shouldn't prospect, mm-hmm. right? Because so in the past, salespeople had to do all their own prospecting, mm-hmm. but now because they don't have to, and they they shouldn't, because if salespeople, if you have your closers prospecting, if you have salespeople. Mm-hmm. Or again, you might be a single CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll show you, or we have one salesperson. So I'll give you an example, but okay. how to use this idea still is that you salespeople shouldn't prospect because they aren't usually aren't very good at it. They don't like it, and it's not sustainable. Because mm-hmm. if you're a salesperson and you're even if you are good at prospecting, which is pretty rare, mm-hmm. maybe one out of ten, then you you prospect you get a bunch of opportunities and then you, you get so busy you can't prospect anymore. So you get into this up and down cycle. Mm-hmm. Now once in a while people can once in a while people can juggle that. But so if you have a sales team of one, it's okay. But if you're building a sales team of multiple people, it's you can't it doesn't scale. Trust right. me. It's an exception, not the rule. So but if you have a prospector who prospects and a closer who closes, that way each person can be the best at what they do. You can have a prospector who's truly an expert at what they do, be very focused. Mm-hmm. It's really about focus. And the clothes are the same. Um, they c- you don't have to deal with a lot less, it's a lot less multitasking and juggling because mm-hmm. it really comes down to time management and focus. It's just, it's hard. So right. prospector prospects, closer closes. And if you are one person or even if you're an entrepreneur who's, pro- you know, you're doing everything, I would, you should still specialize your time or focus your time. So take two hours, say, you know, I think you need a couple hours of blocks of time to do something well, like mm-hmm. to prospecting. You know, a couple hours here. It could be Tuesdays and Thursdays could be your prospecting. But so break up your week so you have you have focused blocks of time to do what you need to do. Got it. And does the prospector, or let me backtrack, does the sales team provide the prospector with like a list of leads, like from one source or whatever, or do they just go out and find whatever? Do you like you give them a criteria and they select them? Yeah, it's, it could be both because. If if your kinds of customers, you can get from like a data.com or Inside View or these, sure, just go buy a list. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you have a, a niche, or if you're a, a unique professional services kind of company, mm-hmm. and it's harder to prospect with professional services, mm-hmm. then you might need to be pickier and you know watch the news or watch, you know, go through more you know interesting or sort of different places mm-hmm. to uh, to look for the diamonds in the hate in the. Diamonds? No. Needles in a haystack. Diamonds <laughs> in the rough, needles in the haystack. <laughs> Diamonds in the haystack are good too. <laughs> but the, the idea is if you want predictable revenue, and you know, I don't know who doesn't, but the idea is if predictable lead generation is what can lead to predictable revenue. So if you focus really on how can you create uh, leads in a more predictable way, now whether it's through word of mouth or prospecting or inbound marketing, mm-hmm. if that's really what can help you give you more peace of mind plus ability to manage and grow your company. Uh, so that's why I said lead generation, like if you have bad lead generation, you can have the most amazing sales process in the world. Mm-hmm. If your lead generation sucks, you're going to struggle. If you have great lead generation, 
but your sales process is crummy, mm -hmm. you can still do pretty well. Right. So to me, lead generation, I mean, of course, assuming you have a great product, mm -hmm. good people and so on, because they're, you know, without a good product or good people, you know, that's the most important thing. Right. But then lead generation is really the most important thing that will help you drive revenue. And Absolutely. Add revenue, adding new customers. Yep. yep. And you make a really good point on having a great product, right? It doesn't matter how good your sales or marketing team is. If you don't have a great product, they're just going to churn out and they're, it's a churn and burn game. It's no fun. Um, so I guess the, the next big question is, you know, and, and I've been having this trouble myself right now, you know, hiring prospectors. Where do you find good prospectors from? Well, actually, you know, first, you always look through your friends, family, networks, uh, you know, the people you know, and so on. So, and by the way, you should look at predictablerevenue.com slash recruiting as, you know, our, at least a recruiting process that one of my clients put together, I thought it was really neat. Mm -hmm. So actually the, the title of the blog post is called A Neat Recruiting Process, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But it has a whole bunch of tips on what kind of person do you want to hire and like how to interview them and so on. But okay. so it's predictablerevenue.com slash recruiting. So I, I think beyond... You know, so I think that's more important is to know what kind of person you're looking for. Mm -hmm. you know, to me, just to, I mean, I like people who have a lot of potential. They may not have, so for prospectors, or even for any kind of the young salespeople, salesperson's roles, mm -hmm. I, I don't, usually don't care that much if they've got sales experience. Because mm -hmm. that stuff, you can learn sales. Right. You know, but you can't learn if you don't have uh, enthusiasm or drive or the ability to solve problems on your own or to be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those kinds of values that, I suppose you can learn them, but it takes a lot longer than to learn sales. Got sales, it. sales you can learn in a few months, few weeks, few months. Right, and there's people that have applied, you know, and I've had sales development rep jobs on like Craigslist and stuff, and they'll apply and, you know, what's your take on people that have been like out of work for a while, they're like, you know, a little older, and they do have sales experience. Um, is that kind of like a red flag to you, or is it, do you still want to go through the interview process? Um, well, I think so. For, it depends on every company because every company has a different culture. Mm -hmm. So that's that's your the kind. You know, so again, you could hire a successful person for you. Mm -hmm. Your environment, your product could fail in another company. Right. So first, you got to know yourself and what you want. Now, if you're a younger culture, mm -hmm. and I don't know, Eric, how old are you? I am 27. Yeah, you're pretty young. <laughs> I'm 41. That's um, young. Still, I, I was your, yeah. I, was, I think I was your age when I started the company that failed back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's you're probably gonna have a harder time hiring someone who's my age, like forty, mm -hmm. who's been out of work, and um, but you know, I think part of it is just interview people as you get to set a feeling of who's out there, and also where you live. Like we're in LA, mm -hmm. the kind of people we have here is different than. So, I think if you haven't done any interviewing, just interview people it gives you a sense of what you like, what you don't like, but you know. Trust your gut. Like I think a lot of people hire. Um, they don't hire based on gut. They hire. Uh, what's the term? Spontaneously. Right. Or too fast. And yeah. You know. You know. Sometimes you have this like I don't know. Um, it doesn't work out. But that's why I think this process that I shared with that link is a good one. It's a creative one. Yeah, phenomenal. I will check that out. But uh, I think ultimately, said so the important thing is if you for pro say for, especially for prospecting and sometimes mm -hmm. for sales, you know the potential of the person is more important than their sales experience. Mm -hmm. And if they have, I'd rather hire someone who's got experience in the market. Mm -hmm. like you guys do SEO, right? Yeah, right, the whole, yeah, everything. So 
I'd rather hire if I had to hire. I'd rather hire someone who knows a lot about SEO mm-hmm. and nothing about sales, mm-hmm. but they, they're entrepreneurial, than to hire someone who knows a lot about sales and nothing about SEO. Mm-hmm. And the way one other tip I think I'd like to hire people, especially at the beginning, if you don't have a team yet. So there's there's builders and growers. At least in my mind, I think of these two kinds of people. Mm-hmm. I like to oversimplify, but. Builders tend to like to build things from scratch, right? It's interesting if, the, if you don't have anything there. There's no sales collateral, there's no sales system, there's maybe no customers, and they're excited by that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a much better fit if you're building a new company, new team, new process. And they're different from a grower, someone who likes to come in once everything's already working and mm-hmm. they just grow it. So again, I would not hire, like if you're a new company, do not hire a VP from Salesforce.com or from, right. Oracle or from IBM. Because they're going to want, they're, they're used to having, well, who's going to fill out my expense reports? Who's going to write my sales collateral for me? Mm-hmm. Who's going to, um, I only have a $30,000 recruiting budget. Yeah. And they're not, again, it's just know what stage you need. So I think that's a, an important distinction. And now when you're early stage, uh, some things to look for builders, people who have taken initiative, like they've might have been a rush chair or started a nonprofit or started the business on the side. Um, but they've just shown some initiative in some way around anything. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they had, maybe they took care of their sick parent mm-hmm. for who knows. But I like to look for that sort of thing when you're in an earlier stage company, or you're, again, you need a, a builder type of person. Right. So the key takeaway here is you know don't go looking out for you know enterprise tech or like whatever salespeople <laughs> that are making a ton of money already. You want to look ideally if you're just starting out, you want to like train from the ground up. It sounds like that's better. Overall, and it's it's cost effective too, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I say, but like two thirds, you want. I mean, two thirds grow your people organically, like built mm-hmm. from the ground up, and plus you want to do some outside hires or people who have some veteran experience to help, um, you know, bring in new ideas. And and if you find someone like there are plenty of people out there who are expensive, have but they have great knowledge, great experience, and they can add a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe one of them plus three of the younger ones, or two veterans and two young, I mean, it's a good mix to have a balance. Right. So what do you think, I mean, when do you think is the right time to bring on a VP of sales? Um, ultimately, it's like if you just find that perfect person. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's no rule, but I think a lot of companies, you know, a, a common mistake is that they hire a VP of sales too fast. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they have a product, and like, okay, let's sell it. We need a VP of sales, or I need a VP to raise money. Mm-hmm. We just need, we just raised money. Usually what happens is they get to this point of, okay, we need to sell, hire a VP. Let's hire a VP from Salesforce.com. Mm-hmm. Let's hire a VP from Oracle. Let's hire basically a very experienced person who has grown companies to $500 million. And that person comes in, they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they mm-hmm. fail out in six to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Because they were, usually it's usually you hire a grower mm-hmm. and someone who wants to come in, and they don't they're not used to like the startup scrappy, right? They have to write their own sales collateral environment, and it just doesn't work. They they'd be great in a hundred million dollar company or even maybe a thirty million dollar company, right? But not in a three million dollar company. They need to have the resources to be put in a position to win, right? Yeah, they 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 need to stand. They you know again they need to be working and they're great at coming in and growing it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if you find, you know, I, so I think it's usually what I see is more common is a company who should maybe hire like a first salesperson, a first director, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you maybe don't have a lot of money mm-hmm. for a really senior person or you're just not, you don't have enough clarity 
to know what kind of VP do you need who's going to actually be able to stay there for two to four years and be successful because mm-hmm. things are changing. So it's like until, until things settle down, if you can't find the kind of like scrappy builder VP who can like actually help bring clarity to your business, mm-hmm. then it's usually hire a little more junior while you get things into more of a steady state. Until you, and then that gives you a, a better place to find a V gives you, uh, I think, the ability to have to hire a wider range of VPs of sales and mm-hmm. have to be successful. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Really awesome advice. Um, and so backtracking a little bit, um, you mentioned, you know, prospecting is really important. And I've heard other entrepreneurs tell me, hey, you know, these telemarketer companies, you know, I just outsource them and they just bring me in leads all the time. So what's your take on using these telemarketing companies? Well, I know they've worked for some people. I think I usually for, for tech companies, I'm, I... I'm, I'm hesitant because I think you don't want to outsource something that's really important for you to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, once in a while, let's say one out of five, one out of ten, it might make sense. Mm-hmm. So th- I think the default is don't outsource it. Figure mm-hmm. it out yourself first because it's important for you to know how to do it. And most of these telemarketing companies, just from my experience, aren't really going to be that helpful to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, once in a while, people say it. I haven't. I've never had success with them, but I've. Once in a while, people say they have, mm-hmm. and I've never really been able to get, it's not proof, but the details on, you know, uh, how, how they were successful, like how much money they made. Got it. Company. So I think it's just no, be careful, mm-hmm. be smart, don't jump in and think it's, oh, they'll fix us. Yeah. No. And it's still going to be work, it's still hard, and, uh, but don't be afraid of trying it yourself first. Yeah, it's better to have control in-house to kind of understand the process before you just say, hey, I'm just going to outsource it. Yeah, for most companies. Now, an example, an exception could be like if you sell dental supplies Mm -hmm. and there's like a well-known dental lead generation company, almost Mm -hmm. like a distributor, you know, like everybody's different. So, but uh, I know the temptation is, oh, there's this magic solution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Salesforce, for example, we tried, even when I was there, there there's at least three projects, one or two outsourced, one or two internal, which failed. There wasn't, it was a zero well, maybe 1%, but it's like a 0% success rate on some of these projects, which is what led me to you know, create the prospecting team and do it a certain way that I did it. Got it. Now, about the last thing, I know there's a couple companies who have reached out who are actually adopting my methods from the mm-hmm. book, so I don't know, maybe that'll help them be more successful. Yeah, and I'm going to actually cover some of those methods sure. um, in a bit. Um, so you mentioned buying lists. I want to um, kind of give the audience an idea of you know, where they can go to buy lists. So do you have any recommendations on that? Uh, yeah. So again, if you usually if you sell software or you're ta- or targeting tech companies, mm-hmm. which is pretty common for probably this audience, uh, I don't know if they, but Inside View okay. often has if you're earlier stage and if you don't have a list yet, Inside View is a good one to look at because they have a, an all you or at least used to maybe they still have it all you can eat mm-hmm. sort of get as much data as you want for mm-hmm. I think five thousand dollars for a year, mm-hmm. and then if you're a little bigger or if you already have a database, I'd also look at Data.com mm-hmm. or Salesforce. Um, so you can't get as much data for your for the price, but they have more tools for how to clean, keep it organized and clean. Got it. So there's there's a lot of data providers. I think in general, what I hear is they're all pretty similar in terms of quality. Like mm-hmm. Zoom, there's ZoomInfo, Net Profit, Net Prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can go out to hire people to build your lists. Mm-hmm. And there's no simple solution. I mean, this is one of the places where every company is different. Uh, you just got to try some stuff. And building a list takes time. Uh, it's also challenging to maintain it. 
-hmm. So it's more important to, to be as, as clear as you can about your ideal client profile. Mm -hmm. Because the clearer you are about who you're really going after, what kind of company, what kind of person at the company or people, then the easier it is for you to build a list and keep it clean. You want a smaller, better list would be, is ideal. Got it. That's actually really helpful. And um, so when you hire a sales development rep, like give me an example. Let's say you just hired me as an SDR. Um, what kind of goals would you set for me? Like, is there like a three month goal? Like what, what, what do I need to hit exactly? Uh, yeah. Well, so if you are, if you're a new company and mm -hmm. you don't have any kind of, you don't have any prospectors there at all, mm -hmm. I would say it's, it takes you about six months to go from finding, finding people, hiring them, training them and having, getting to the point where they're generating qualified opportunities every month, mm -hmm. say 10. So now let's say you, you're starting from scratch, you're, you're new. In three months, you should be able to get to the point where you're either through email or through calling, and not cold calls, but a different kind of call. Mm -hmm. You know, you're able to get in touch with people who are relevant, so reach out, have conversations that actually then lead to so early sales cycles. Mm -hmm. And by th in three months, you know, again, if you, uh, you, know, you should be able to start, it takes probably three months to start getting at least some of these call them qualified leads, which means... I, I don't call, let's say, a lead qualified. I'll do a simplified version of the process, but let's say that your prospector goes out to a company cold, they find a decision maker, influencer, have a first call with them. Oh, it's, you know, is, this a, is this basically a waste of time or not? Mm -hmm. Nope, it's not a waste of time. Okay, then we should have a deeper call or discovery call with my account executive or closer. Mm -hmm. So that next step is prospector, closer, mm -hmm. ideally prospector, closer, and the, and the prospect are on a longer call that the closer manages. And once that call happens and the, the closer or executive says, hey, this is great, I'm actually gonna, it's early but I'll take this and work on it, then it's qualified. Mm -hmm. So it's not only has there been an appointment, but the appointment's been accepted by the salesperson. Mm -hmm. So if you can get in a third month, you get two to four to six of those, you'd be in pretty good shape okay. for a new, a new prospector. If, uh, but again, you know, I'll probably say it several times. Every company is so different. Right. If you're if you're in a software company, that third month you might get eight to ten. Mm -hmm. If you if everything's clicking and you maybe get even eight to ten qualified opportunities. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a professional services company, if you get one, you might be lucky or right. two because it's just a lot more. You know, services it's more based on trust and relationships, and there's package services and custom. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of. There's, I have rules of thumb for this, but there's a lot of variety. Right. In the world, especially with professional services. And do prospectors, do they record like their own commissions? Do they keep track of that on their own? Um, no, you can, it's pretty simple whether you can use, most companies use salesforce.com. Right. Um, but whatever app you've got, the comp is simple. You prospectors should normally get like a, a base, a good base where they can cover their bills because mm -hmm. you don't want them desperate for, to pay rent. Yeah. It's des desperate. Desperate salespeople are never a good thing because yeah. these are people talking to your prospects and customers. Mm -hmm. And then they get a variable commission, half of which is tied to the number of qualified leads they generate per month, mm -hmm. half of which is tied to percentage of revenue that comes from those leads. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a pretty, you should keep the comp plan simple you can, in a spreadsheet. If you can't do it, um, you know, whatever app you use, you can export your, your monthly metrics and keep it in a spreadsheet pretty easily. Got it. A, a team manager or executive. Okay. 
And you bring up a good point here. You're like, you know, desperate salespeople are never good. So it almost sounds like commission-based sales closers are not a good idea either. Well, there's a balance because you want to you want to reward people for mm -hmm. work they've done, mm -hmm. but you don't want to have um, the incent. You don't want the incentive to be so large that people do shitty things mm -hmm. or they, they get desperate. Yeah. So there's a balance you want to walk. No, I don't know. I can see. I'm, I'm sure that some companies have and will be successful with salary-based salespeople. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, that's just not how the culture is. So most still have commissions, and yeah, it makes uh -huh. sense. Yeah. Well, and also I think salespeople only, usually mostly get commissions, and most and like no one else in the company usually gets commissions. Mm -hmm. Salespeople do, but I think it's just because they're easily me measured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because salespeople. Yeah, you know, they do a lot of the work. Some are really good about bringing stuff in, but a lot of them, it's like you know, if you have a good company, you've got you good lead generation, you know, you've got good sale, you know, support marketing. Mm -hmm. A lot of salespeople are just helping and fulfill orders. Like not, they're never taking orders because 